Brian Brummett here with Ali Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Uh, Ali, good morning, sir. Sorry for the, the de- technical difficulties, everyone. <laughs> I I apologize. I don't know what it is. This is like I use my live all the time. I do Facebook lives and all this stuff. And the minute I try to sign in, this is like the third time this has happened to me. My camera's not working on my computer, so I'm on my phone right now. Okay. No, that's all right. As long as we can see you, that's all that matters, right? Now, what a, what a pain in the neck. Okay, so I think we're going we're right now. We're live right this moment, so that's awesome. Okay, all right. So round two, right? <laughs> yep, exactly. So uh, so right. I know I was trying to hear what you were saying, but in between scurrying around to try to get things done, you know, this is a live question and answer thing. Um, I had a few of my friends uh, actually text me and uh, message me some questions. I guess they weren't going to be actually weren't able to be online uh, at this time. They're going to listen to it later. So um, one of the questions was this. I mean, one of the clients had an issue recently where um, where they had a parent. And I think we discussed this a little but They had a parent call them up and complain that they close during the holidays and they don't want them to close during the holidays. And if they if they don't change their policies, they're going to quit. So this person texted text me and we discussed this. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, people controlling what you do or, or saying, hey, listen, we don't like your policies and it's either this way or that way. So what, what do you normally do in a situation like that? Yeah, um, well, I guess my first advice would be you need to uh, put into your agreement or at least, you know, one of the seven questions that you ask people, right? Uh, or, you know, that it, so you do know that our tuition is based upon a, uh, a 48 week year and not a 52 week year or 46 week year, not a 52 week year. If you do that inside of, you know, whatever the weeks are, if you do that in the get go um, and it's in your welcome pack as well, um, you'll cut those issues down tremendously in the beginning anyways. So uh, I always try to take, you know, when we have problems, um, how can I cut those off in, you know, in the past, you know, how can I make sure that they're not an issue later on? And that's how you do that is you set it up correctly in the beginning so that they understand that, uh, you know, your tuition is based upon X number of weeks, um, not anything else besides that. Now it's damage control right now, where if that has not been, you know, told in the beginning, uh, he's going to have to explain it to that individual and, and they still may be pissed off and leave. But, uh, in the end, it would be better that they're gone and not going around everybody else and, and you know, uh, allowing that bad attitude to filter onto other people. Calling it, calling, it, um, calling it poisoning the flock, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so absolutely. I love what you say, and it's funny, you know, every Wednesday I meet with my, my partners in the tournament business. So this morning we're, you know, our biggest dilemma is always quality of judges, right? You know, we get, and I don't mean like bad martial artists judging the tournament, but um, it's always finding a judge that has enough knowledge to understand a wide arrangement or a wide um, array of martial arts styles. So they can see a Kempo guy doing a move and a ninjutsu guy and a jujitsu guy and a kung fu guy and judge them all fairly. So we're always looking to achieve um, a better outcome all the time. So we discussed this today about how do we get judges to understand better. Right? And most of the judges, they're, very, they're volunteers. So they don't, they get paid, but it's not a lot. It's not like it's going to make or break them if they don't show up. So they come right. the goodness of their own heart. However, um, sometimes it's worse if they show up than they don't because some of the judges are not really qualified and they don't want to go to training. They don't want to learn. So my thoughts are, you know, and my one partner says, you know, Ali, listen, this I've been around in this business for 40 years. There's always going to be people that complain. And, and my other partner and I said, we get that, but we're just trying to find out how do we, and I, for lack of better words, idiot proof it. How do we make it a system where um, we cut down on the issues, right, as much as possible? So what you said, too, was genius. And it's so simple. What you And I know I have a long-winded explanation, but you said simply tell people when they join that this year that they join is based on a 48-week year, not a 52-a-week year, right? And, you know, you're only closed for how many days? You're closed for technically um, two weeks or three weeks? Oh, you mean in totality for the year? Yeah. yeah. With, you know, oh, hot- gosh. Uh, no, more than that because, at what, two weeks for Christmas and, and New Year's and then 
uh, spring break and summer break is another, you know, week and week. So that's four weeks. And then you take on uh, uh, President's Day is two days. Right. Um, uh, Columbus Day is another two days. Right. Um, Thanksgiving, I'm closed from Wednesday through. So that's another two days. So you might as well add that as another week, week and a half. So you're like, and Labor Day, Memorial Day, I'm about six weeks. I close about six weeks out of the year. Total of, you know, seven days, just, you know, 42 days out of the year. Um, broken down, some are in blocks and some are in little tiny pieces, right? So it, 12 it, classes. You're going to miss 12 classes, basically, yeah. is what it comes down to. Going to say in classes, you know, when we say, "Oh my God, you're forty-four, six weeks." It's really not because the way it works out is a person might miss two week, two classes in that week because that's all. So it's more like um, maybe like twenty-five classes that they'll miss throughout the year, and they can make it up. They could double up right if they needed to on a class, or come twice, or whatever, or four times in a week instead of three. I mean, are you flexible that way? Um, well, we'll do private lessons if they need to, uh, make up classes that they've missed, but right. we don't do any makeup classes for classes that we don't have just because the way that my curriculum and more importantly, my lesson plans, uh, are written, they get all their material, uh, in. So it's not a, it's, it's not a big deal. And really I've not ever had a, a big issue, at least that I've known, uh, I, I, that I've known of. So telling them in the beginning that it's based upon a, you know, uh, 46, like for me, it's a 46 week year, not a, right. not a 40 year, uh, is humongous. And then explaining to them, uh, even afterwards, I've had people bring it back up. Not many, but you know, why? Okay. So for July, we're closed, uh, the very first week. Well, they're only getting three weeks in. So I should only pay a third of my 149 price or a third of my 169 price. And I said, you know, we can do that. Um, I said, but the problem is then, you know, that's all of that's based upon a 46 week year. And then we chunk it down into 12 payments. I said, if you want to do that, then what's going to happen is, you know, in June, you're going to pay more than 149. Um, and in July, you'll pay less. And then August, you'll pay more. September, you'll pay a little less. But no, you know, and, and so I said, so just to make it easier, we just, do it that way and split it up evenly. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, and I think that in general, right, people don't, they're, they're, they're only nickel and diming because they don't see it any other way. So it really is all about how we present things to people, right? You know, absolutely how, how they see it. So it's about communication, you know, and it, that's why I say, listen, Mrs. Jones, if you really want to make up those three classes, come four times in one week. I don't care. Stay for a mighty warrior and, and a youth class. I, I'm flexible. It's not my goal to not let you come. And then during the summer, we actually offer day classes and night classes. So we allow our, our schools, our younger kids from three to like 12 to come to um, my summer camp martial art class on Monday and Thursday. And then we also allow the older kids that come to night classes for the adults come to the day class for the adults as well. So they have a lot more, even though sometimes we're closed. And I never say, hey, I'm giving you more. I'm not, and I'm char- I don't charge them more. So I always try to work with them. Well, and it's the it's the old thing where it's the um, the carpets or the mats. It's the argument, right? right? Do you have carpets or do you have mats? Well, there's good arguments for carpets. There's good, good arguments for mats. And so uh, you always just find the positive in it. Like, for instance, you know, it's good, Mrs. Jones, that we take a week off. You get an opportunity to spend time with your family. Uh, you don't have to worry about rushing and them getting that time in. Otherwise, they got to you got to make it up in another time because if you don't have the right amount of classes, they can't test. And yeah. so, you know, it, you can make it a benefit um, that you know taking a break is good, spending time with your family is good. And I've, I've I've done that before, and it's legit. It's not like I'm trying to make stuff up, but of course, it's to my benefit. Well, it is, it, you know, and, and listen, I, I'm always leery about how we word things, right? So, so like when you say it's to my benefit, I, I almost, I'm almost compelled to rephrase what you said so that people don't take it the wrong way. Don't you ever feel that you do that? Like, you know, well, it's to my benefit, but really it's our, you know, like when we start to sure. backpedal. So I think that it's really all about communicating the reasons why we do what we do. And I, I sometimes just say, Hey, listen, um, it's really for my staff as well. So they get some downtime with their family. They, every, we shut the school down. Everyone just relaxes. It's good for everyone. 
you know, and that's why they do it in schools. That's why they do it in colleges. That's why they take breaks. It's very healthy for the community at large to take a break. And that's right. how we have to do it. Have another question for you. So, um, uh, one of my clients had asked me just today is like, you know, what do you consider um, a good policy for like people who are taking a break for the summer? Like, you know, they, hey, Miss, hey, Mr. Brumman, uh, I'm going to be gone for two weeks in July and one week in August. Can we just get a credit on that month and so on and so forth? Like, I know what I do and I'll explain it after after you get. But what's your thoughts on that? That was another question that school owners had for me. Yeah, well, first off, I usually ask them, what weeks are you going to be gone? Because generally, especially uh, in the summer, it's one week is always 4th of July. I'm saying, that's not a big deal. We're already closed that week. So we're only missing two weeks, which is four classes. Not a problem. What we can do is we can just set up additional private lessons to make up those classes. Um, that way, they don't get behind because if they don't get their time in, they don't earn their stripes, they're not going to test this quarter. Uh, not to mention that, like you know, obviously, from a business standpoint, uh, you know, I, I, I can't have you miss part of the summer, not pay, and yet still do uh, private lessons to make up the time that you missed and didn't pay for. I mean, that's just, it just doesn't work that way. So, um, you know, I'm more than flexible. You only missed four classes, really. And, uh, and, and I, I've had, I, I, I like, okay, so for instance, I had a, a, a kid that I met with tonight or last night. He wanted to, he goes, he hasn't been here for June except for one class. Right. And I said, well, you know, you really only missed three weeks, which are, it's uh, nine classes. Um, not a, not a big deal. He's worried about the, the new form. And, and so I, I, expl- I sat down, I took, you know, maybe, maybe 10 minutes to sit with him. And also uh, built into that was three minutes of that 10 minutes to show him how easy the next form was that he was going to learn. He walked out, he goes, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, quitting for the summer, if you will, you know, and starting back up in the fall, I'm going to continue. So I think, does it work all the time? No, no, I don't necessarily have a policy. Uh, I just tell them straight up, you know, look, you uh, more than likely you ain't coming back. And if you do come back, all your friends, you know, all Johnny's friends are, are, are about to head and that's going to demotivate him as well. So I always say that, that, you know, breaks equal quits, right? Like you take a break, most likely you're going to quit. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. This kid is in it for the long haul. You know, the two yeah, a month later. Yeah, yeah we're not going to continue. What happened to the, oh, well, uh, we changed our mind. You know, that kind of thing. So um, I agree with you, though. It's very, very important that we do not allow that. I used to have a client out of the Colorado area, um, and they basically had a booklet that was called the vacation book where they could write in when they took off and then he'd give them credit. And then I, oh, I gosh. As, a, as a coach, I actually made them stop doing that because people would like, I'm not going to be there on Friday. They'd write in. I was off on you know Friday. I didn't come. like, and he'd have, he'd be giving away like two, three, four, five months of tuition at the end of the year to people because, you know, they would just take track of every day they didn't come. Um, so we did away with the policy and just like you, I said, you know, let's, and people say, I'm not going to be around in July. Well, when are you not going to be around? Oh, the week of July 4th. That's okay. We're only open two days that week anyway. Oh, okay. That's right. Good. They're not missing it because we're closed anyway. So they're not going to get a credit for it. Right. So, um, so right. Important. So let me ask you this. I have a really interesting thing. I don't want to, um, I don't want to say too much about this, but I just bought into a new software from my martial arts school. And Dwayne, behind the scenes, I'll show it to you. I absolutely, I'm like, if if I was single, I would try to date the software. That's how much I love it. <laughs> my my fiance Nicole's probably listening to that. I really love this software, right? So um, it has everything and anything that you could possibly need to do to actually run your martial arts school, from sales funnels to landing pages to emails and all this stuff. Hey, can you... Can you do me a favor? Can you start that over? Because uh, we froze. Oh, okay. So I said, yeah. uh, I said that you bought into this martial arts software. But a martial arts software. So now I'm a member of this software. I won't mention the name yet, um, but um, I'm absolutely in love with it. And I and my joke was that if I was single, I would actually be dating this software. That's how much I like it, right? So, um, so uh, and Nicole's listening, so she probably thinks I'm nutty, but I'm like. It literally does everything and anything I could ever need and use in the martial arts. Like even my DNA that I've developed from my clientele, about 85% of it is on there. Not in sequence how I laid it out, but more like it's there for you. So um, 
I wonder, I just wonder how many people out there are actually using martial arts software. And maybe they could, even if they hear this at a later date, post what they're using and give us their review of the software, right? I know you use a variety of different things, QuickBooks, Entreport, all this stuff. And I actually took, I was using timesheets for my payroll. I was using this for my email. I was using that for my data records. Now I got rid of almost all those things that I was paying for. So I'm paying less almost now with the new software because I got rid of all these other things that it took, and it's all in one hub. So um, what do you think, though, and this was my question, what do you think is important for people to be, tracking for their schools that's important to their growth and development um whether the software does it or they do it by hand on paper or on a database what what are some of the four things that you believe to be important for them as school owners well um i I mean they could go back and and listen to our podcast uh it was like right at the end of the year i think where we talked about the four um, numbers that you have to have in order to grow. Um, but, uh, and we go in a little bit more detail on that podcast and I could look up the number as, as, as we go on, throw it on there. But anyways, um, what, well, you gotta know, uh, you gotta know your, uh, student value. You gotta know your cancellation percentage. Um, you need to know, you know, what's happening every single month with regards to individuals that are uh, calling in. So how many inquiries you get, how many of those are actually showing up for appointments, how many of those appointments then turn into, um, you know, uh, actual clients, right? Uh, How how many, how many do you lose? So your cancellation percentage, uh, those, I would say those are the, like the, the, the most important ones, you know, then you can get into obviously, Advertising costs compared to how many leads that you get. I mean, there's there's those variables as well. But I would say like the the big one is how many people. Let's make it real super simple. How many people are calling? How many people actually show up? How many people sign up? Yeah. Um, and then how many people quit? Those would be the, the the four major ones. Right. And you know, I love that again in this software too. It basically has everything from like a from a prospect to a trial class to a trial class conversion to a member and so on and so forth. Um, And we do all this. I've been doing it all, but a lot of it is done by hand, a lot of calculations and figuring out. So I love it. I could go to a graph and it'll show me my conversion ratio and it'll show me my signup ratio and all this other stuff. Now I'm not, I'm not saying this so I could sell this software because I, I don't get a piece of it. So until I do, I won't be promoting it incredibly well, but I do. But, um, did, did I just cut out in my back? Yeah, you just said incredibly well, and that's the last I got. So, yeah, it just went black and open. But um, so anyway, I think that people should understand. And I have a client that I've been recommending. I'm like, you should, you know, so-and-so, you should really get this software. It'll make your life easier. And he's like, I don't want to spend the money. You know, it's expensive every month. And I'm like, dude, the money that you'd spend would be picked up in what you miss, right? So there's so many things that we miss every month that we say we're going to do, we should have done, send out birthday cards, we miss you calls, automated calls to email text to um, remind people of their trial memberships when renewals are up, whether they're going to join for an upgrade program to a black belt club or leadership team, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes we just don't get around to it, right? So that's yeah. it. Um, I had another really cool question. Let me let me see. So um, and while you're looking that up, I just want to say uh, uh, yeah. it was call it was uh, call number one fifty five was the uh, stats you need to know in order to grow your business. So uh, the four stats. And so if you go to schoolandertalk.com forward slash one five five, that's there. You know, it's funny. Um, remember the old TV show in Living Color? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, a skit they did where this guy was like a bum and he was homeless and he was a guitar player. And it said, just ask me a question. And uh, they, they'd ask him any random question, like, why is the sun so hot? He goes, I wrote a song about it. And then he'd play it, right? So I'm starting to feel you and I like we're doing, you know, hey, um, you know, I have an itch on the side. 173, we did a podcast on that one. You know, like we've done right, right. balls. Like literally, I swear to you, like, I mean, not to you, but to the listeners, like a literal education in a college education on audio. It's amazing. And it's all for free, right? They could all go to school owner talks on iTunes and just download and listen or go to Facebook. If we don't do it on Facebook, if we do it on Facebook and as a video too, we also trap the audio and put it on 
iTunes. So they could be listening to it in their car, driving around, cleaning with it. A lot of our clients clean with it in their ears as they're cleaning. They have it on their phone. Um, I have another good one. Uh, a person asked me, says, um, how do you balance work and personal life? Because so many people are top heavy, right? Like all they do is work, 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 work. And then there are those others that just all they do is party and relax and they don't get enough time to do the marketing or this stuff or that stuff. How about you first and I'll go second. But how do you, Dwayne Brummett, do that? Um, well, that's where, you know, number one, we're, all the closings that we do allow me to not do any work or very little work. And you, and you know, this to be true that I, I, I don't respond to messages very quickly. Um, I, oh, I, I uh, <laughs> say that again. I do know that. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, usually at a lot of times, uh, you know, and so I've, I guess I've created a me first type mentality in order to, you know, in order to get things done, in order to, to you know, have what I would say at least uh, pretty good balance. And so the closings are important. I don't do much of anything work-wise during those times. Uh, I've also set it up personally where, I mean, I'm not open on Saturday and Sunday. Very rarely, very rarely do I do a Saturday, but I have staff that's doing the birthday parties and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, I've, I've created that opportunity for myself. Um, I would say probably two times a month, easy, if not, if not four times a month, uh, I will, you know, go out to dinner with my wife and, you know, take like an early night at the studio and then we'll go out and, uh, and, and part of it is my son is playing, uh, travel volleyball. So, you know, he's got to go to uh, practice or something and it's about a half an hour away or 45 minutes away. And so I'll take, you know, a short night and, and then drive up there with her. And so, uh, and not to say that we wouldn't do that here, but it certainly gives us an, a, a, an out of town experience, if you will. So I kind of guess I set it up that way. Um, and then there's other vacations that, that we take besides, but most of our traveling and most of our time off is when the studio is already closed anyhow. And I, I like what you said, and this is something for people to understand, and it actually motivated me as well uh, for one of my studios, is to sometimes you don't have to necessarily be open on the weekends. If your model is a Monday through Friday model, then that's what it is, right? Like, you know, we, we, um, we sell the program based on what we do. So if people like it, they'll like it. If they say, hey, listen, I can only come on Saturdays, then you're not the school for them, right? Um, but I also have my school where um, my smaller location is, and, uh, um, is open on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And we're closed on Thursday and Saturday. And the reason why I did that was because I am a multiple school operation. I wanted to encourage my other school, the East Islippers, to come to West, right? And... Um, it's a good and bad thing. So for the ones that come to West now, they fall in love with the crowds and the chaos and all that stuff. And like a lot of them are now, I only want to come to West, which kind of backfired on me. But for the majority, I can't get people to transfer over. Even though I closed on that Thursday and that Saturday, those people just accepted the fact that, hey, I'm not going to go on those days anymore. And they don't come to West Islip. But I did it for the reasons that I wanted to bring the families together, the schools together right. as one. But um, but the model is a great model. So it's like you don't necessarily have to be open six, seven days a week. Um, the other thing is if you have staff as an owner that you could trust, you could literally live that big. You could be open seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, your business can. It's just necessarily the CEO, the corporate, the head instructor, the owner doesn't have to be there every day either. So that's why we delegate and we have employees or, or you know, team members and so on. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think it's important. I find myself rejuvenated after I take those breaks and ready to get back. I remember, you know, when we went to, um, oh gosh, my son was in New York. Um, so we had, we were able to do like a long weekend and it was my, my wife's birthday weekend. So we drove to, um, where did we go? Michigan. And uh, we just spent, what was it, Friday? So two nights, three days, two nights. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I tell you what, it felt like a week. It was just a quick weekend, 
but it really literally felt like a whole week off. I came back to that Monday, a brand new person. My dog's barking because someone's knocking at my door. Okay, that's all right. Let me uh, make sure. That's funny. Bear with me, Dwayne. I'm going to go to the door. You keep on going. Okay. All right. No problem. You know, and so... I, you know, I, I told her that, you know, in two years when uh, our, our son is off in uh, college that uh, once a month we're going to take long weekends. So meaning, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type thing. So, you know, we're going to do that at least once a month, which uh, I think it's going to it's going to make me even more productive. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I find that when I, I take time off, not only do I feel reju- rejuvenated, but the fact that. Now, uh, I didn't have that time to be screwing around and half doing work and half, you know, screwing around. I actually just go ahead and screw around. And then um, it, it, it allows me to be relaxed and focused. And then now I have less time uh, to actually get stuff done. Uh, you know, I, I find that if I have all day to do something, I will take all day to do it. Right. But if I were to you know, say, uh, I'm only going to work until noon because from, from noon until four, I'm going to, you know, eat lunch and swim in the pool with my family and, and then go off to the studio after that, whatever I need to get done, uh, in the morning, I, I will focus and get it done. And so I say, I say that because I think that when you take that time off, you come back into work and you're, you, you, you know, you're so much more relaxed and you're able to be focused, but now you have less time. And so I think it actually motivates you uh, to get, get your crap together and get stuff done uh, in the time that you have left to get it done, as opposed to if you didn't go on that three-day vacation, let's say, like I did, uh, then I'd have those three days to just mess around and do work. And uh, I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, productive that way because even when I'm messing around, work is still in my head. Um, and therefore I'm not, uh, able to really enjoy that time off as I would then if I were to, you know, look, enjoy the time off and then focus or focus first and then enjoy the time off, you know, whichever it is. Yeah. And, you know, going back to that question about balance, right. You know, which is something that people want to know. It's all about, you know, I have, so for instance, I have a student who is, um, who is, uh, construction construction guy right and he does like a uh, mostly like a handyman style service right and he's always continuously working now granted he does most of the work himself so here's the concept i sat down with him and i said listen you could do one of two things you could work until you die day and night 24 7 be exhausted all the time and still never get that much done because there's only certain things that one man can do right or you could go hire a guy two or three days a week a day laborer maybe someone who's a part-timer and then have them help you speed things up where you get twice the amount of stuff done in that same allotted week and you'll make twice the amount of money yes you'll be paying a laborer maybe a hundred dollars a day times three days but you'll do twice the amount of work and make that much more money so in regards to having a balance in our in our businesses we have to understand that and I learned this the long, hard way, right? Like I've been doing this for 28 years. And there were times where for, I worked from morning and 9 a.m. till 10 o'clock at night, seven days a week. Um, I didn't really spend a lot of time with the family. And what changed everything was when my daughter was born. And I realized that I had a higher calling, that I needed to do things for my family. And I didn't want to miss that time. So I started to learn how to delegate. I learned how to time manage, you know, or what you don't like the word manage your time. Or, right? Isn't there a term that you said you don't do... Uh, what was it? Well, it's it's action. It's action management. You right. can't manage time. Time's going to keep on ticking. Right. Gotcha. So, so learning how to take that same allotted hour and get twice the amount of things done because you're efficient at it. Like I'll give you an example. The same construction guy, he'll come to my house and he'll go, okay, he'll do a job and he'll go, okay, I'll be back on Thursday because I have to bring the wood back to patch that floor. And I said to him, you knew that you had to patch the floor, right? And he's like, yeah. I go, why didn't you go to Lowe's? before or yesterday and buy the patch so while you're here you patch it because now you drive home you then you drive back and then you set up and there's like four hours of wasted time where you were here and you would have went to your truck put it in bang 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 it's done 
You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's about how we organize our lives. And that's why I'm able to get so much done and have multiple balls in the air and, you know, bouncing around without getting killed, um, you know, by, you know, working 24 seven. Like I binge watch TV shows for like four hours a night sometimes, but I've done work from seven in the morning until eight. And then I relax. Right. Cause I, you know, cause I have, and I get a lot done. So I think that's important. I recommend to people who are listening, if you don't know anything about time management or, or delegation or organizational skills, go and buy the Stephen Covey planner. I have it right here. I don't know if you could see it right here is the planner. And um, I still use it. There are, there are computer versions, which is excellent. But every morning, like I have it written out. I don't know if you could see that. But I'll hold it up. But like this is my one page. And, um, you know, on the page, I write out exactly what I'm going to do. Like 8.20, I meet with my guys for the tournament. 11.30, I'm going to do the podcast with you, review my software, um, process for trials and learn the, the way how I'm, the new software works. I go to my Chase Bank account, go to my Astoria Bank account, deposit money, open a CD. I mean, this is just up until we started at 11.30. You know, so and I have a whole afternoon that I'm going to do stuff as well. So I try to do that ahead of time and organize my day and tick it off and make sure, um, you know, that it all gets done. Yep. So I just got another question. Um, how do you teach a person martial arts that is unteachable, meaning they just aren't getting it? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I guess my question would be: Is 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 there uh, are are there special needs involved? Uh, no, that's... no. I think the person and, and I, it, it happens to be my fiance that wrote this, and I think that um, she's being a little sarcastic in a way because she always feels like she's slower than everybody. Meaning, in the class, she's picking it up slower, or she doesn't feel that she's doing it as quickly. <laughs> um, but but she also hears me come home sometimes and complain. Um, like so, sometimes I swear, like it takes me 10 times to get like, I'll give you an example. We hold our bow staff like this and then we flip it under our arm. Right. And then we're in like a standing position and then we reach under and grab the bow and spin it around into a yo position, ready position. Right. So I'm telling the kids, OK, lift it off the ground, tuck it under your arm. So that that part they got now grab the bow by your elbow. Right. And I'm facing the front and they're facing the front with me. They're watching me. And then um, and I turn around and I see like. To, out of 10 kids, like eight of them, they have their hands on their shoulder. Because I say, grab the bow by your elbow. I see them with their hands on their shoulder. So I'm like, guys, by the way, just so you know, that's not your elbow. That's your shoulder. Oh, okay. So then they grab their elbow. I'm like, don't grab your elbow. Grab the bow by your elbow. They grab the, Doing the same thing over and over again. I'm wondering if it's just the way communication is these days. Um, and I change the way I say things and so on, but I'm wondering if it's the dumbing, dumbing down a society where it's like that. There was a movie years ago called Idiocracy, and it was about these two guys that were the stupidest people on the planet. And they studied them. They didn't understand why they were so stupid, so they froze them. And then they forgot about them in some basement in a military place. And then years later, they found them, and they opened them up, and they got them out. And they had been come. They became the smartest people on the planet. So the dumbest of the dumb is now running the country. One was the president. It was just so funny, but it's like the dumbing down of society. So I wonder sometimes, is it me? Am I not showing enough visual examples? Am I not walking over and like putting their body on as a suit and making like, what is, what are your thoughts on that? I'm sure instructors around the country are feeling the same kind of situation. Um, I, well, it, it's communication and some of it. Uh, but then the, I guess the other, the other part is, for us, we got to decide and find find out whether they're a visual, audio, or, or, or kinesthetic learner. So if maybe maybe they're the type of person that you actually have to move around like a marionette in order to 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 get them to feel it, and then once they start to feel it, they can understand it. So I guess I, I do that first, where you know obviously I'm going to give the auditory first. This is how how it's done, and then I'll give the visual, and then for those individuals that that are having a hard time picking it up from there, I physically move their body. Yeah. Uh, to get the feeling down. Um, that's, I mean, really, that's the best that you can do. And I do that, what, you know, saying it, hitting all three levels, touch, feel, and hear, and hear right? Um, and however, sometimes people still don't get it. So I just wonder, but at this, I do agree with you. Sometimes you have to get behind them. I grab their hand and I spin the bow for them and um, get them to actually do it, which is amazing. Um, but uh, I also find, too, that they, they'll forget the very next mm -hmm. 
They taught him that's the day before. And parents say, well, you, you didn't teach him. I go, Mrs. Jones, I taught the same technique to him 20 times over the last two, three weeks. He still doesn't remember it. So I, right. I hear sometimes if it's just how people are learning these days, they're so used to filtering things out or their brain is so filled with information that it's hard for them to retain it. Um, but anyway, so I just wanted to know. So I, that is a big good point. you know. So you teach in three, and that's what I try to do. I say it three different ways. I show it three different ways or so they can see it from different angles. And then I, I, you know, I have them feel it and I correct them. But uh, still, boy, sometimes I want to pull my hair out. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I know that, um, let's see here. thought somebody put a question. No, I guess it was a statement. Never mind. Uh, Basically, it says many students no longer practice at home. And I have parents say that they're, Students shouldn't have to practice at home because that's why they come to the dojo. Ha! Huh. Isn't that interesting? I, different I, world we live in. Different world. And it's like, or you have the ones that go, they never, they never practice at home. I'm not going to continue to pay because, it, it you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to continue to pay if they don't practice at home. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. But, uh, you know, it, when they're at home, I'm not there to motivate them. And you're a drill sergeant on them, yelling at them to get their practice done. And uh, I, th- I think that that's the other one, too, where you have to uh, educate the parents on how to actually, you know, get the kids to practice. Well, isn't isn't that interesting, though, too, because I think that here's the shift. When I joined martial arts, I was a martial art fanatic and young. I was put in it when I was a kid. In fact, this is kind of, check this out. I just found this the other day. This is my ID card from when I was in Jerome Mackey in 1972. We had an ID credit card to sign in and and so on. So like the other day, someone said, show a picture of your uh, white belt when you first started. I'm like, I can do better. I have my my membership card when I was first joined. Um, But uh, back in the day, though, even as a young kid, I... I really, really believed that I I wanted to learn. I wanted to be a better martial artist. I wanted to train. It wasn't like my mom and dad, even though they did put me in, I found a love for it right away. But it wasn't like I was being forced to study math. Like, right. oh, I got to do it and you're going to make me do it. And okay, I'll study because I have to, but I hate it. You know, so I think there are a lot of parents making decisions for the children in the right way, which I agree with them and saying, this is good for my child. They need self-discipline, focus, control. And they put them in the martial arts, but they don't take enough time to make it part of their lives by watching a karate movie or going to a martial art tournament or watching, or just going to watch and, and saying, wow, you could be like that kid. Or they don't have martial art idols anymore. Um, like the karate kid. I wa- did you watch the Cobra Kai um, ser- series? No. Uh-uh. Oh, Dwayne, you got to watch it. If people are listening, yeah. let me tell you, honestly, you will personally be so motivated as a martial artist. Um, it is the best. It is so good. It literally could have been a movie. I watched all 10 episodes. I'm waiting. I can't wait till the next 20 come out. So well done, well filmed, well acted, great plot. Two of them are free on YouTube, and then you can bo- go join YouTube Red for the month for free and watch the rest and cancel. Um, but um, so good. But what I liked about it was it was showing, like the way they talked about it, it's like, you know, you can't be a sissy. You got to train. You know, you can't want to quit. You're a quitter. Like the one guy, so quit then. You want to quit? Like there were kids that were flinching. He says, okay, for the next hour, we're going to deflinch the class. And he walked in his office, grabbed a beer. He's like, everyone punch each other in the face for the next hour. <laughs> so you get used to not cr- cringing and flinching. Um, but it was kind of funny. But, but you know, we don't have it where the parents are really like, they'll blame it on you because their kid is not coordinated. Or they'll blame it on you because he didn't remember his bokata. I mean, when I want, like my teacher, I wanted to learn sword kata from him. He wouldn't show it to me. So I watched him and filmed it with this big, huge video camera I had in a tournament. And I used to play it on my big camcorder, they called it. And I'd have a rewind cord because there's no wireless. And I would rewind it, watch it, and do it. And then rewind it, watch it, do it until I remember. Then next time I competed, I, I said, can I do the sword kata? He's like, you don't even know it. I showed it to him. He goes, where'd you learn that? I go, Shian, I watched you on video for the last four weeks in practice. He goes, okay, do it. And I started winning because I so much wanted to learn and do that. Like nowadays, it's almost like, eh, I'm here yeah. with my best. And so I think it's our job to inspire them to be better and want to live the martial arts and love it, right? I think that, do you have any thoughts on the inspiration part? <clears throat> no, I, I totally agree. Um, 
it, it is our job to inspire and that, and to motivate. And that's all that we can do. Um, I, I would say that, you know, we, we as martial arts school owners are probably, or at least we should be one of the most uh, positive and influential individuals in um, our students' lives, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and, we have to also be that influential in the parents of the students' lives. See, I don't see that anymore. I, I used to be, um, and maybe it's because I don't teach every single class like I used to. Right. Um, and maybe that's made a difference. But I, I, I don't see that same respect. Like I had a dad uh, say to me, he called me Dwayne. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I just kind of looked at him like, really? And he goes, oh, sh- should I call you Mr. Brummett in the studio? I said, yeah, at least you should call me Mr. Brummett in the studio because I call you Mr. So-and-so. He says, but you don't have to call me Mr. So-and-so. I said, yeah, I do. I said, right. that's the way that we do things here in the martial arts. Yeah. And, um, you but know. You both, but you know what my point was, too, is like I think that we have turned the industry to be the teacher of the kids, right? Or the teacher of that adult, right? However, like, well, mostly kids, this is better for them, this example, because they are, um, uh, you know, their parents are the ones that bring them. When an adult trains with us, they respect us and they get it because they're training directly with us or our students, right? <clears throat> right. But we have to get the families or the parents to understand that we're the experts in what we do, right? And not only in, you know, physical martial arts, but in self-esteem building and all this other stuff. Um, because if they needed to know why their kid was doing something wrong, they might go to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist might say, do X, Y, and Z. They wouldn't go, ah, you're an idiot. We don't believe in you. You're just a janitor. You know, they go there for that specific reason. So um, we need to teach the parents to educate them that we can also help them and they should respect us for that as well. And I don't think we toot our own horn enough or, or we don't educate people on who we are as experts, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like, and that's something that we need to do more of. Yeah. And you know what? And I didn't have to do that in the beginning. It right. just, it was a natural flow uh, of it. I mean, I can remember having parents asking me, uh, you know, their advice on parenting and I wasn't even a parent and they were asking me those questions, you know? So, right. No, we got a question. Because they looked at you differently back in the eighties and the nineties and the seventies. They looked at martial artists as these very knowledgeable mystical killers, right? Like, you know, they respected them. They honored them. Martial arts was taken in a different light. Now it's become so, so general. It's so mainstream that everyone and anybody does it. So we lost a little bit of that credibility, you know, when there was less of and more high quality masters out there versus every school on every corner. It's the same flavor of the month. People think like, hey, Mr. Brumman, if I don't go to you, I'll just go down the road to John's Taekwondo. Like, who cares? They, they don't get it that not every school is created equal, but they do have so many opportunities. Years ago, I'd go, oh, you don't want to train with me? You'll never do ninjutsu again because there are no ninjutsu people around unless you want to travel to Connecticut. Right now I have like five of them around me that are all offshoots of my school that have broken off or trained or moved and whatever and started their own location. So now there's a lot of choice. So what were you going to say? One more question. Yeah, we got Paul. Paul had a question here. Um, Wow. Let's see here. Um, He said the other day I had a very kind family enter my dojo. Uh, let's see. Uh, they were Muslim and I had a language barrier issue with the mother. Okay. okay excuse me. Cause the mother didn't speak English. I had to communicate through the seven year old son, which made things rather difficult and trying to explain contracts and payments as well as schedules. What are your thoughts on language, uh, barriers? That's, that's a really good question. I don't know about you. I, I have, um, uh, there's a big Hispanic population, Right uh, here. And so if I'll tell you what, if I could speak Spanish, I know uh, I would have more Hispanic students. I mean, hands down, I definitely would. And I often is the time that I will communicate to the, to them through their broken English. But I do use the kids. Um, and I'll tell you what, I find that most of those kids are pretty darn smart. Um, by that age, even at age seven, I mean, yeah. I know that there are some things that, um, you know, that, that, that they're, 
it's going to be lost in translation just because the kid doesn't understand it. So, so I would just say my, I guess my advice is don't feel bad about being able to have to having to communicate through the child. The parent knows that the parent knew that that was going to be an issue when they came in anyways. So I wouldn't worry about it being awkward or disrespectful or, or anything of that nature. Um, I would say smile a lot, laugh a lot. And, uh, you know, just do the best that you can uh, with the uh, with with the communication, and yeah. and, and I, that's about good. I found too. You just have to speak really loud. No, I'm you think so? I was gonna say. <laughs> you know when people go, "Do you understand me?" Like right, right. Yeah, they're not deaf. They're not deaf. They just don't get the language. Exactly. Yeah funny i do have one comment though i think he, he said he mentioned muslim students or no yes well, it's a muslim family yeah yeah well i have um i have a, a big muslim community within my school and i do have certain people that are very devout muslim that they will not bow so like in our school we we bow and we get down in seza or we stand and bow and that's a big issue for them and even some reborn christians too i had some very devout reborn christians that said i cannot bow to the kamidana i can't bow to anyone we don't bow to anyone uh, false idols and this kind of thing so i i allow them to do this and they just give it a little nod and they're comfortable with that right so they're still doing a bow but they're not doing a prostration type bow where they get down low or they deep bow um but uh Anyway, so uh, you know that you want you want to read Paul's second question there with that. Uh, what was it? He said um, language barrier to da, 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 no communication. No, it's it's up top. It just started again. He said the second part to this uh, as well that I'm not very happy about after leaving the dojo. The family was all smiles, but um, what I noticed in the lobby was rather different. I noticed many of the parents making negative comments about the. Ugh, negative comments about the Muslim family and even overheard a few of them saying how uh, my school will be bombs. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Well, this is almost a political statement, right? And isn't it weird at the perception of how people see people? See, I don't have that in my school. We're a very open school, um, you know, from the LGBT community to different cultures and nationalities to, you know, to whatever, like everyone seems to blend so really, really well in, in my school. There's it, from what I, from what I see. So it's like not, but there are those probably behind closed doors that have comments and snicker and sneer and say things. And I mean, this is not our fault. We just got to make a community and try to explain to everyone in our school that, you know, everyone is equal. We love everyone equally. We want to treat everyone equally. We want to make sure that we're all here. We are the only place where like-minded people that may not be like-minded nationalities, cultures, religions can gather together with a common bond and enjoy each other's company time and, 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 and learn to love each other as one, right? So um, not to get off on some, you know, hippie type tangent where I'm, you know, a, you know compassionate and empathy and all, but um, that's what we do as martial artists. So we have to sometimes educate, but I would ignore those people because sometimes bigotry, you can't. What, did, did I cut off again? Um, yeah, you said sometimes bigotry, what? Yeah, you can't change that. So just welcome them with open arms and, and you know, treat them the way they sh- that you would want to be treated yourself. Yeah, but if they're um, if they're in your lobby, you know, talking about them to other family members, I, I, you know, that obviously has to be addressed, unfortunately. Um, right. Yeah. I, and and uh, I guess what you have to do is you've got to sit them down and, and you know, say, hey, I I think I heard this. Is this what I heard? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, who knows? They may not. They may even just say, well, no, 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 no. That's not what you heard. Right. You know, um, gosh, it's just it's just ridiculous. I guess maybe you, you know, you you uh, make some mat chats on the floor that you're talking about. Yeah. How we, we all need to be inclusive. And right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you address it to the kids because sometimes it's it's uh, I've found that it's difficult to get the parents to digest it. But, you know, at, at least at some point, all the kids are awestruck about you as a martial artist and they listen to what you have to say. 
Um, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if you could come up with a story that doesn't use the word Muslim or doesn't use any religious terms. Um, but you know, the story about, you know, ex martial artist and this martial artist and how yeah. they came into the, the, the tribe or whatever, and they weren't accepted initially and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? You could really make a I story out of it. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Uh Oh, I lost you, Allie. So Paul, that's what I think I would do um, is I would uh, uh, maybe make it a, a part of a mat chat and uh, specifically do it uh, when those particular parents are there so that they listen and hear to the mat chat. Um, I know, let's see, you said, um, oh, I like that. Give the lesson to the children. Make, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you're not, Paul, you know, you're not going to change um, the older hearts all the time. But, uh, you know, sometimes we can influence the younger ones and then move forward and see what happens. And we'll see. Right. Let, report back to us. Let us know. But you can have a lot of fun with that story. In fact, you could probably come up with a story that could be a, uh, you know, two or three class continued story. You have to come back next class in order to hear what happened to, you know, Kabuto or whatever. You know, you just throw some names out there, what have you. And, and uh, you know, what, how that goes on in the end. Um, yep. Allie said, I just got dropped off the call, but we are just about done anyway. So please finish up without me. All right. Well, I'll do that, Allie. Um, hopefully you guys got some, uh, answers to questions that you had. Um, if, if you do have any additional questions, uh, let us know. Uh, we don't do these, uh, open forums very often, uh, where we, uh, you know, are doing question and answers, but it certainly was, uh, was fun to do this time. And, you know, on behalf of Allie and I, we hope you guys have a great uh, Independence Day. Go and celebrate it with your, your family and friends and loved ones and what have you. And uh, we're going to be off, and, and then we'll get back on uh, the, the, uh, the week of July 9th. So what is the 9th? The Monday. When, so Wednesday the 11th is when we should do our next podcast. All right, everybody have a great day, and uh, certainly was wonderful being with you guys. 